If you have your Bibles, uh, could you open them to Proverbs chapter 24, and we're going to be looking at verses 30 through 34, 30 through 34. In just a moment, uh, by the way, I want to introduce, this is Leo, he's one of my helpers, and Oak is another one of my helpers. You're going to see them during the sermon or today's message as well. They're awesome, they've been helping me all through the week, and uh, they're going to be helping a little more this morning. So Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. Uh, The message today, as we're looking at um, what can we really encourage our kids and our families to do? What do they need to hear from uh, God's Word? And we've been going through Proverbs as a church, verse by verse, and some themes. And one of the things that you come across a lot is work. Work as well as sleep. And as a kid, I was like, man, I don't really want to hear about those verses because I like to sleep a lot. I don't know about you. As a matter of fact, it was one of my goals in life to be able to sleep all the way through the day on a Saturday. And uh, my dad didn't particularly like that. And one Saturday, he solved that problem with a pitcher of ice water. And we're not going to go any further into that story, but it was a, it was an eye-opening experience. We'll just leave it there. So... Um, Can you read for us this morning from Proverbs chapter 24, beginning in verse 30, right there, I'll help you with it, and I'll hold this mic, and you hold the Bible. There you go. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber, and once like an armed man. Very good. Thank you, Leo. All right, buddy. A couple quick questions here. Now, it starts out and it says, I passed by the field of a sluggard. Do you know what a sluggard is? No. Any idea? Um, I think it might be a field of a type of vegetable or grape. That could be it. A sluggard could be like a vegetable, you know, kind of like a zucchini or something like that. But believe it or not, a sluggard is someone who is lazy. Have you ever seen a slug? Yeah. All right. So that's what the English word kind of describes is a slug. It's someone who's lazy. Can you think of any other words that would describe a lazy person? A sleepy person. Or someone that doesn't like to do work, likes to lay around, and is very... Couch potato? Yep. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thank you, buddy. You can have a seat. All right. So, that was Leo. You'll see him here in just a little bit. Did a great job reading here. Uh, One of the things that I'm going to ask you to do as well as you're there in Proverbs, I want you to hold your place there. And at the end of the message, we're going to close on, a, on another aspect of work as well. It's in Revelation. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Because we're essentially going to talk about two kinds of work today. And the first work you would think would be fairly simple and fairly straightforward, that anyone would get it. Yet what we're speaking on today is one of the most difficult concepts, apparently, that our nation really um, is dealing with. It it doesn't seem as though anyone wants to even acknowledge the problem or deal with the reality of some of the causes behind the problem. For instance, uh, Bryce is on the computer. Bryce, can you show the first slide? Uh, Bryce is helping us out this morning. This is in San Francisco. 
uh, as you can see, someone's kind of sleeping through the day there. Uh, the next slide. Again, not my ideal place to probably take a nap, but uh, if you go to any major city really today, you will see this all over. Uh, we have had friends go to uh, large cities that used to be really fun to go visit, downtown especially, and you're seeing homeless people lay all over the place. Next slide, Bryce. And every park bench is generally taken, even in the middle of the afternoon, as you'll see here. Um, and you're thinking, this, this message today, work or sleep, it should be fairly common sense, but believe it or not, common sense is not so common today. Next slide. There you go. And here, uh, once again, uh, at one time uh, in maybe the 1940s or 50, vagrancy was considered a crime, and you would be arrested for that, for not working. Today, um, people have compassion, which is great, but is it the right kind of compassion? Is it the right sort of approach to one of the biggest problems our nation is facing is homelessness? All right, next slide, please. So the question is, how do we deal with certain situations in our life and how do we raise our kids not to end up on the street? Well, it gets really, really complicated in a lot of different ways. And if you've been here in our study in Proverbs, there are basically two kinds of needy people. There is the poor needy, and those are the individuals that our church and others, we need to help. And, and they find themselves in situations and, and, and difficulties that maybe are beyond their circumstances. Maybe they're sick or just had a terrible thing happen in their life. And they're what we describe or, or the Bible describes as poor needy. And then there's the poor foolish. The poor foolish, you can help all you want. You can give them all that you might uh, be able to give. And yet they continue to be on the streets or homeless or, or doing certain things. And there's an important division there. And it's not an easy thing to understand. You really have to sit down and talk with people and, and invest time and love and grace to figure out what is the difference. And one of the aspects of the difference is work, work or sleep. And it sounds so very simple, but uh, as you can see, Leo there was having trouble with one of the words that describes someone that won't work. It's so uncommon, and Leo is a really bright kid. I don't know how many of you at his age could pronounce nettles or even knew what nettles was. I didn't ask him that. But sluggard, that, that's not a common word anymore. And so let's look at the verse beginning in verse 31, or rather verse 30. It says, I pass by the field of a sluggard and by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. So if you know anything about Hebrew poetry and how uh, the early Proverbs were written, these are two lines. They're parallel to one another. They express the same idea in general, but just a little bit differently. The first is, I pass by the field of a sluggard. And so the very first thing that you have to ask yourself, and the same is true today, and you really need to ask this, if you're dealing with anyone that you're trying to help that is homeless or who has had problems, financial problems, and is really struggling is, it says, I pass by the field of a sluggard. The question is, how in the world does a sluggard get a field? Like, if you're not working, if you're sleeping on your couch every day, how in the world do you acquire a field? That's one of those things that you ought to sit there and think about. Because of this, sometimes giving people certain things doesn't necessarily help them. If you run across someone on the street and you have some extra money and they're asking for $5, $20, whatever the case is, you can give them the money, 
but what do they do with it? That's the question. Not only that, but by simply give them, giving them the money, does it change their actions and does it change their thinking? Same with your kids growing up. You can just give them money whenever you go to the store to buy stuff and, and begin to teach them about how money operates. But at some point, you want your children to learn what it is that allows them or allows you to acquire money. If you just simply give it to them, it doesn't necessarily help. And in this case, somehow, someway, this sluggard acquired land or a vineyard or a field, maybe inheritance. And that's another aspect that you as a parent have to figure out. As you get older, and maybe your kids are grown out of school, giving someone money, do you hurt them or do you help them? It's a very fine line. The greatest gift that you can give them in this world, as far as the things of this world, is this understanding of work and how we go about working and what it provides and what it protects us against. So it says, I have passed by the field of a sluggard in a vineyard of a man lacking sense. So a vineyard is just a very simple place where they grow grapes for wine, and you have a field that uh, it's not looking too good. Verse 31 says, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles. Uh, I don't know, uh, Leo, where'd you go, Leo? Come on back up. You were having a little bit of a, a problem with sluggard. Do you know what this is? Uh, blue mic? All right, he said tumbleweed if you didn't hear that. Very good. Do you know what happens if you ask a, a farmer who really takes care of his field and ask him to bring a tumbleweed? Do you know what happens then? No. He gets a little snarky. He's not happy about it. You know why? Mm-mm. Well, if you're a good farmer and you take care of your fields and you text a man and you ask him for a tumbleweed... He kind of thinks he's like you're implying that he's not taking care of his farm and all he has is tumbleweeds. Would you agree with that? Yep. All right. So the next time you see a guy by the name of Andy go, (laughs) don't worry, Andy. We don't believe you have nothing but tumbleweeds in your field. Okay? Okay. All right. Thanks. No, it's true. The scriptures are so true. I didn't, I didn't uh, let Andy know anything about what I wanted. I just sent him a text, and I'm like, hey, can you bring a couple tumbleweeds? And he's like, really? Is that, is that what you think I farm out here? <laughs> no, it's not all overgrown with thorns and covered with nettles. Uh, but the truth of the matter is this. If you have this beautiful field or this beautiful vineyard, and you do nothing with it, This is what it produces at the end of the day. And you don't have to farm this, I've discovered. It just pops up, even in like city yards. It's it's crazy. You let those weeds grow big enough and long enough, this is what they end up becoming. We don't have these in the south where I'm from, thank goodness. But uh, it's interesting to see how little work it, it takes to grow weeds. It takes none, essentially. And so behold... It was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. And by the way, moms and dads, uh, in the bulletin, there's a little handout. If the kids want to fill out these, uh, we put this passage of Scripture in there. If they want to fill these, the blanks in as we go through them, uh, they should have received a crown to, to do that. But it says its stone wall was broken down. Here's the crazy thing. As you saw those slides of individuals laying on the street, um, 
it doesn't really look that bad. In a, in a way, it's like, man, you can just camp out anywhere if you're homeless and everything will be all right. People are just walking by them and people walk over them, step around them. Maybe you've had to do that. But the reality is if you've ever known anyone that's homeless or if you yourself have been homeless, it's a pretty scary thing. Because in the ancient times, there was a stone wall that was your security around your field, around your home. There wasn't a police force. Uh, you had a, kind of a makeshift army as need arose, but there was no such thing as a police force. And if you go to ancient Israel today, you can still see the ruins around the small villages and cities of these huge stone walls they would build. And it was true out in the... Uh, the outskirts of the community as well. You would build stone walls around your field or your vineyard, both for protection to keep thieves from coming in, as well as from just animals that were out roaming around that would come into your field and eat and destroy things. So the stone wall was for security. And here's the crazy thing. You ready, kids? Are you listening to me? If you don't work, one of the things that you lose is security. You don't have a home or anyone protecting you. You're homeless. So all the walls, the doors, the windows that, that keep bad people out, you don't have them anymore. And so at any given time, you can encounter really evil people. And you would think that would keep people from being homeless. In some cases it does, but in other cases it doesn't. And so this is what the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, says. He says, then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. All right, Leo, we need you back up here, bud. All right, so as you think about what I've just said, does it sound like it would be a good idea to be homeless? No. No. All right, does it sound like that someone that doesn't work their field, do you think they would receive much from that field, like crops or grapes or anything? Not really. They just get tumbleweeds. Just get tumbleweeds. <laughs> do you think those would taste very good for dinner tonight? No. No. All right. So you don't get food. You don't get security. Does it sound like a fun life? Nope. All right. So you're able to look at this and think about it, right? Yes. All right, so thank you very much, Leo. Here's the weird thing. Even Leo, not that Leo's stupid, Leo is actually very, very smart. He's one of the smartest kids I know, actually. Parents, I know you think your kids are probably as smart as Leo, but they might not be. And as you raise them up, you actually might encourage them to think and talk with you about what appears to be common sense sort of stuff. Because not everyone, unfortunately, can make simple observations as they're going down the road and looking and thinking about stuff. Can you imagine that? I mean, because you saw those guys living on the street. You, if you've ever seen a homeless person, you probably at some point in your mind have gone, don't they realize they get wet when it rains? That, I mean... Just simple, basic things that you would think would make them think and they would do something different, but they don't. So it takes somewhat of a wise man to actually stop and consider your surroundings, the basics of life, and to receive instruction from them. 
It's a great opportunity both for kids as well as even if you're dealing with a, a, a brother or a sister or a sibling or maybe a, an adult in your life that has never really actually seemed to connect the dots. You might just have a conversation with them instead of trying to lecture them and tell them what to do. Just ask them a series of some simple questions of like, you know what, if you don't work, what's going to happen to you? If you don't work now and begin acquiring a little bit of wealth, what do you think is going to happen to you when the day comes where you can't work? Yes, Corbin, we'll, answer, we'll, take, some, we'll take some questions at the end. All right, buddy? All right. At the end, bud. All right. <laughs> He's excited. He wants to help. So as you begin to consider this, it, it, I'm sure it seems really simple to you but it might not be so simple to many people in your sphere of influence. And it certainly doesn't seem so simple to major cities, politicians, uh, state government. They keep trying a lot of different things, and I realize there are all sorts of other uh, issues on top of that, addictions and different things. But at its core, what we're looking at is, let's figure out what the problem is. And here's the problem. Verse 33 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. Oak, I need your help now, buddy. Can you come on up? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. Come on up, Oak. Lay down here. Everyone give Oak a hand. All right. Now, I don't know about you on your sleeping habits, but um, I tend to spread out like this on the bed, and Judy's like this on the side, and then the dog is like this in between. Uh, but today we have just a, a regular twin bed here, an oak. Uh, oak sacked out. So come on up. Yeah, Leo. Let's see. It says a little folding of hands, a little sleep, a little slumber. So see if you can get oak up. Not having much success, Leo. Try a leg. No? No, not at all? Well, this is where my dad used the picture of ice water on me. I don't, we don't have one of those. All right. Are you having any success, Leo? Nope. Keep trying. Keep trying. All right. No problem. Why don't you uh, zip around back and come out in just a minute? All right. So Oaks act out here. Here's one of the things that that is kind of crazy. All right, Oak, you can just hang out, bud. There you go. There you go. You're supposed to be sleeping, Oak. Yeah, taking a nap. There you go. All right. Well, as, as Oak is hamming it up up here. All right, quiet, Oak. All right, there you go. A little sleep, a little slumber. That's a lie, right? So one of the things that you're dealing with when you're dealing with people who want to lay around all day, maybe play video games all night and sleep all day in mom's basement, or if they uh, claim to be looking for a job, yet you come home and they're napping on the couch and they get upset with you because you've woken them and they're sitting there snoring. There's all these lies that people tell themselves when they don't want to work. Uh, they'll say, well, I've been, I've been looking for a job all day long, and they've, they've applied to one place. 
what happens? It says this, verse 34, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and wants like an armed man. I believe a robber is coming. Look at that. Get him, Leo. Get him. Get him, Leo. Get him. <laughs> All right. Good job, Leo. Come on. All right, Leo. Thanks. Have a seat, Leo. Here's the crazy thing. It's really easy when you have mom and dad and you have a place to escape to and you can pretend like getting by without working. Oh, it's okay. Mom will feed me even though you're 43 years old. You got mom still working, collecting Social Security maybe, and there's, there's Bob. He's still raiding the refrigerator of mom. Or maybe right now you're dealing with a young man or a young girl who... They're kids, and, and they ought to be able to be kids and have fun and play, but they still seem, you're, you're looking at them, and you're a little worried, like, I don't know he gets it. Having simple conversations, honest conversations about what it means to sleep a little bit versus them telling you, oh, I can't get up in the morning to go to school, I'm too tired, and then, or I want to stay up really late because I like being with the adults, but you know they need their sleep and you, you need to get them to bed. There are honest conversations that you can have with them about sleep as well as about work. And it's never too early. I honestly, like I said at the beginning of this message, I love to sleep. I am, to this day, I am not a morning person. Do I have any other not morning people in here? God bless you. I love you. But see, for us, it's hard. It is really hard just to get up and go to work every single day and not lie to ourselves going, well, I can hit the snooze alarm, alarm about five times and still make it to work on time. No, you can't lie to yourself that a little sleep goes a little bit further than you should. You show up late to work enough times, you lose your job. Those are basic realities that kids are going to have to battle with, and they may be battling already with them. And to have a conversation about sleep and, and be honest about that, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. There have been many times, as a matter of fact, um, this week I get to go visit my mom and dad. I'm going to help my dad uh, with a fence that I helped him build actually about 12, 15 years ago. And this was great. As a, as a kid, you have to pay attention to mom and dad all the time. And as an adult, you really don't have to at all. But so as an adult, I went back to visit my dad. And at this point, we're both adults and, and we're kidding one another. It is really cold outside. We're in Houston, Texas. It was unusual. It was about 30 degrees. And my dad was wanting me to help build a fence. And so I was helping him. And I noticed that every time I would go and get stuff for him, just like when I was a little kid, he wasn't paying attention. So one time he sent me to go get nails. And I'm, I don't know, I'm like 40 years old at that point. And so I decided to go in and take a nap. <laughs> and I'm thinking after about 10 minutes, my dad's going to figure out I'm not there. And so he's working away, he's working away. About an hour goes by, because he's really focused. He is not a morning person. He loves to work. He's worked two jobs his whole life. About an hour goes by, and he's, he's like, where did, I, would, 
thought I had nails. And he just dawns on him that his older son is not there helping him anymore. And he comes in and I'm sacked out on the couch and I've literally fallen asleep by this point in time. And he about has a heart attack. He, he's like, I can't believe it. And what was worse is I'd went in to not only get the nails, but I went in to get a jacket for him. And I figured if I got him a jacket, he would be like nice and warm and cozy out there. So I was wearing his jacket that I was supposed to bring to him, sleeping on the couch. And so when I'm going back this week, he happened to remind me that, hey, he needs some help fixing the fence that I'd never helped him with the first time. And so I will probably have to actually do some work this time. But I just thought I'd have fun with the old guy at the point in time. But so he would remember it, remember what a great son I am. But people struggle with this. They really do. And here's the crazy thing. If they don't overcome it, verse 34 says this, poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. If you don't work and if you don't develop the skill sets necessary to work, if you don't develop the attitude to work, it's amazing how all of a sudden you find yourself at a point in life where you have nothing. You, you literally are in poverty. Maybe your parents were middle class or upper class and they had plenty, but all of a sudden you find yourself as an adult out in the world alone and you've got nothing. And it just seems to spring upon you. And then what do you do? You, you've developed this lifestyle of sleeping and not working. It's like you're facing a robber an armed man. You're, you're helpless. It's a tough spot to be in. But here's the crazy thing. Some people get this and they do it so well that that's all they can focus on. And though they're not in poverty with material stuff, the Bible talks about them being in poverty spiritually. And that's where we're going to close. If you can look at that passage of Scripture that I pointed to earlier, Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 through 18. Biblically speaking, this is several thousand years later. I wouldn't say several, a couple thousand years later. This is a church in Laodicea, which is modern-day Turkey. And this is Jesus speaking to the Apostle John, um, and he's writing a letter to this church. And this church is doing fairly well in a sense that uh, at that point in time, it's the New Testament era, um, Christians are being persecuted by both Jews and Romans. It's a horrible time in this world, so to speak, to be a Christian. They're facing severe persecution. Uh, many, many of them are losing their possessions, losing the opportunity to even work. Yet in this church, this church got the idea of work in this world so well that they were actually rich. And beginning in verse 17, this is what Jesus says to them. He says, For you say, I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing. So they had done well for themselves. They had, they had achieved what Solomon so pointedly tries to teach them in the Proverbs. They were working hard. They had achieved everything. But as they achieved that and they did so well in this world, 
they forgot that this world is temporary. It's transient. The biblical worldview is that God created the world, and at some point there's going to be a recreation. This world is going to be destroyed. Judgment will come, and God will take his people, and he creates a new heavens and a new earth. And their attitude is, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Yet, Jesus says, not realizing that you're a wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Just like those individuals that we saw sleeping on the street, Jesus looks at the hearts of individuals in the church that had mastered the work in this world. And he says, you're blind, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're naked. You see, you can become a millionaire, you could be a, a huge rancher, you can be a huge entrepreneur, yet in your heart, the things that God desires the most, you're bankrupt. He says in verse 18, he says, Jesus says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Now, I know we got kiddos here and, and we're, they're getting a little restless. So let me condense this down really simply. Salve, white garments, and gold refined by fire. Throughout the New Testament and old, these are pictures and they're metaphors for faith. For a faith, not only that, that uh, you begin in a simple confession and repentance and trust in Jesus, to a faith that actually grows, that you consciously put off the old self and put on the new self, that you're doing the good works that God has planned for you, that you're beginning to, yes, you're acquiring riches, but you use those riches for the kingdom and for the Lord that you are generous, that you're giving, that your heart is actually becoming pure. It's being conformed to the image of Christ. You see, God didn't just create this world for him to know us and redeem us and leave us here, but he, he brought the kingdom of heaven with Jesus. He says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And we have the opportunity to live for Christ now in this world but in the future, when Christ comes again and we stand before him in judgment, he's going to look at us and what is it that we've done with the kingdom of God? And that's the challenge that I'm going to leave with you and for your kids today. So as you're trying to teach your kids about not uh, sleeping all day so they end up basically eating tumbleweeds for lunch, the idea is this that yes, you want them to be able to make it in this world, that's important, but you also, above all else, want them to know the Heavenly Father and the work that He desires and to begin to trust and place their faith in the God who loves them. And it's not just a one-time event, but it, just as they work every day and sleep every day, every day is the Lord's day and that you seek Him and truly try to follow him as a disciple. Because just simply trusting in Jesus and then someday standing before Jesus, Jesus says, well, you said you're rich and you prospered and need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I just ask you this, parents. 
If your children were in that state, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, what would you do? Well, you would probably start out with grace and you would try to clothe them. You would try to give them all they need. Just as our Heavenly Father gave us all that we need in Christ. But they're going to very quickly lose everything that you've given them if you don't teach them how to follow your instruction in this world as far as work with our Heavenly Father, it's very simple. Yes, they are secure. They've been sealed with the Holy Spirit if they've trusted in Jesus. But they're going to encounter all sorts of difficulties if they continue just walking in this world according to the paths of this world. They have to learn to battle in their hearts. It's a spiritual battle every day to seek Jesus. If not, they end up astraying. They could, as they grow up, if you ask, why aren't there more kids in church? Why aren't there more people serving the Lord? Well, those people were once kids, and they have to learn that lesson young, to seek the Lord with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their might, with all of their mind. It's this true walking with Jesus every day. So someday, when we stand before God, he sees us with gold refined by fire, white garments clothed, and eyes that see. I pray that's where you're at. I hope you aren't one of those individuals that is doing well with riches, but when it comes to the things of the Lord, you're bankrupt and poor and blind. Because it's easy to see how silly it is to not work in this world, but it's much harder to see how so how terrible it is to have a heavenly father who loves us and yet not obey him and not grow and work as he desires. We have taken the gift and let's take the gift and let's see it come to fruition. Let's grow in the Lord. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having grace and mercy with our kids that are in our service today. I encourage you as you leave today, as you hang around, Lift them up, encourage them, tell them thank you for serving today. They're such a blessing to this church and it's such an honor to have them with us each and every time during this, this service today. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer and I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back and lead us in worship. Father, I just thank you so very much for your grace. Lord, I thank you for parents that, that did teach me how to work. Lord, help us to not just set our eyes on the things of this world, because it, it does end, Lord. Help us to understand what it means to follow you every single day as a disciple while we're working in this world. Help us to understand uh, the very things that we're trying to teach our kids, Father. Thank you so much for your mercy in my life. Amen.